envision. Envision a church after God's own heart. Envision a follower of Christ hitting on all eight cylinders, being everything God wants them to be, doing the everything that God wants them to do, and living a, a life of such a passion, power, and such purpose that the, the people they meet, where they live, where they work, where they play, are eternally impacted. And we're convinced that such a church and a, 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 such a, a, a Christ follower do three simple things. Three simple things. Love God, serve people, and share their story. Love God, serve others, and share their stories. You say that's uh, very simple, the mission of the church, and just envision a a church that's that's passionately committed to following the great commandment and loving God and serving Him and and, uh, and then fulfill the great commitment in serving others and and doing what we can to to impact others, but finishing the great commission and, and sharing our story, envision the impact a church like that has and envision the lives that could be positively, permanently, and powerfully changed for all of eternity, envision a church that would bring a smile to the face of God and the joy to the heart of God. What would that church look like? What kind of Christ followers would it produce? How would uh, would it impact the church's programming and, and priorities and methods? Well, that's what we've been uh, talking about over the last uh, couple of weeks and the next couple of weeks as well. And, and uh, as we're uh, introducing not only the uh, mission statement in terms of putting the, the pieces together, but uh, I want you to notice that it's uh, uh, that uh, they become practically a reality in our life if we'll rehearse those things. Say, I, I have to rehearse. There are some things that, that I have to rehearse. I, uh, if I don't rehearse, I don't do. I don't know about you, but I don't do. Um, it, uh, it's not by accident that it all begins with the very first step and that first step of loving Jesus, loving him. Why is that the first step? Well, it all goes back to a question that was asked uh, of Jesus by a lawyer. And, and from all that I can tell, I believe it was an honestly a sincere question, a, an honest question. It probably was one of the two great uh, questions, uh, greatest questions ever asked Jesus on this earth. And the lawyer happened to be a Pharisee. A Pharisee was considered in his day a religious expert. He was a, a scholar of the law, which was uh, the first five books of the the Old Testament and the, the Bible scholar asked Jesus a Bible question. It was a question deserving a, an answer, so here's what happens. In Matthew chapter 22, and we'll begin reading in verse number 35. Chapter 22, begin reading verse reading in chapter number, or verse number 35. And the scripture says there, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I find it amazing as we walk through. He asks him and he's testing him. And teacher, what's the great commandment? To understand his question, we would need to, to, to know that through the years, rabbis had studied the first five books of the law intensely. You know, they came up with 613 different individual commandments. 613. Now, I would ask you how many of you can name 10. Most of us go, ooh, 
613. Now, what's really interesting is, is as you walk through, 248 of them were positive commands. Those are good things. 248 of them are good things. But then there were 365 that were negative. They were the don't do's. So there were 248 that were positive in nature and 365 that were negative. And I thought that number was kind of funny because that means there's one a day for us to learn. I just thought that was interesting as, uh, as I was uh, reading along. I said, hmm, <laughs> that's kind of funny. With so many commandments and so many rules, so many regulations, this lawyer asked a good question. He said, in effect, I'd like to know the greatest commandment of all. I'd like to know it all. And I'm sure he had another reason for asking the question other than just to get an answer because the answer to the question of what's the greatest commandment would also automatically reveal the greatest sin. Obviously, the greatest sin a person could commit would be to disobey the greatest commandment. So the answer was so obvious that, that after Jesus gave it, I'm, I'm sure that most people in the crowd, they might have gone, ooh, that wasn't such a great question. Because all Jesus basically does is quote something that Moses had already said many years before. When he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. See, Jesus said, in effect, these, to these Pharisees who were so legalistic and rules-oriented, it doesn't matter how many I's you dot or how many T's you cross, you fail to love God with everything you have, you fail to put God first in every area of your life. It really doesn't matter what else you do. See, I want us to go back and look at the commandment and think a little bit more deeply, examine it a little more closely. And in a sense, it's kind of uh, uh, odd that God would, would command us to love him. In one sense, how do you command someone to love you? You can't command somebody to, to love you. you, you that's not, uh, you, you really, uh, uh, you, you couldn't uh, command someone to, to love you. I would have... Uh, uh, been most popular person in high school if I could command people to love me. Some of you have to think about that for a second. Shake your head and go, preacher, that's just a mess. But the fact that God commands us to love him tells us something about the kind of love God's demanding. It's not a feeling because you cannot command a feeling. It's a commitment. It's a surrender. It's a willingness to give everything we are everything to everything God is. Think about how important our love for, for God really is. Have you ever thought about the fact that, that your love is one thing that God can't take from you, that he can only have it if you voluntarily give it to him? Our love is the, the one thing. God can take everything from you that you have. He can take your house, your car, your money. He can take your life. But he can't take your love. It's the one thing you have to give. You have to give him your love. When I say that, we have to answer a couple of questions. What does it really mean to, to love God? What does it really mean to love him? How, how do you know whether we love God or not? Well, it's, it's, I was thinking about this question. Believe it or not, I, I got the answer one day and spent a little time just reading my Bible, and, and I don't have to wonder what it means to love God because he tells us what it means. Uh, then we understand that, that love really is not a feeling. It's, a, it's really a commandment. And 1 John chapter 5, verse number 3 tells us loving God means keeping his commandments. 
If you love me, keep my commandments, he told us. Jesus said in John 14, 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them, they're the ones who love me. See, it's real simple. It's not complicated at all. To love God the way God wants to be loved is to obey God and do what he demands. Do what he calls us to do. See, if you think about it, God's no different than any parent. If you pick on the parents, you go, oh, man, here we go. There are two things that any parent wants from their children. In fact, it's the only two things any parent wants from their children. And you know what they are? Number one, it's love. Number two, it's obedience. See, any parent knows that those two, they go together. A child can obey a parent without loving a parent. But it's impossible to love a parent without obeying that parent. Here's the way it, it works. To love God is to obey God. We obey God because we love God. I can't tell you how much we really love God and how mature our love for God really is if we answer one question. Do we obey God because we feel that we have to? Or do we obey God because we want? Well, maybe because I have to or because I want to. See, if, I, uh, if we love Jesus the way that we ought to love Jesus, then we'll have no problem obeying him, no problem serving him, and we'll never have any problem with doing what he wants us to do. Loving Jesus can be man manifest in many ways. Many ways. We've talked about what it means to to love God in terms of, of loving God and, and surrendering our lives to God. But I, I, I want to flesh it out. What do you, uh, how do you do that? Well, how does, how does the love of God that we say we have on the inside manifest itself on the outside? How do we really love God? How can, I, how can you know that we are really showing God as well as showing others that, that, uh, that, that we do love him? Well, we need to go back to the commandment again. Because there are basically two dimensions to the, to the commandment. One, which we haven't discussed yet, and that's the vertical dimension. Uh, there's the vertical dimension. There's also a horizontal. Vertically, we are to love God. Let me uh, give you some practical ways that we do so. Um, we can jump in and say, well, I, I love Jesus by being in my church, right? And by being in church, gathering to worship. I love Jesus. And it's demonstrated when I jump in the Word of God on a daily basis. And I study the Bible. And I, I read and I dwell on the Word of God. And, and uh, I just uh, demonstrate my love for Him there. I, I, can, uh, I, can be, uh, I can demonstrate that I love Jesus in my prayer time. And spending time with Him in prayer. And spending time with Him in, in the relational times. Or, and alone times with God. Those are a lot of ways that we can do so. But we love God also with our time. See, if we love somebody, we want to spend time with them, don't we? We want to spend time with them. I always think it's funny when I go through marriage counseling and premarital counseling with folks. I, I talk about the different love languages. And I always think it's funny because I say, do you, have you discovered your partner's uh, your soon-to-be spouse, have you discovered their, their love language? And they kind of look at me funny because a lot of folks never read uh, Dr. Smalley's book. And, uh, and I go, have you discovered their love language? Do you know what that love language is? And, uh, and it's funny because so many folks go, well, I, I think it's this or I think it's that or I think it's this. And, 
And uh, after having read the, the Dr. Smalley's book several times, I really think it's kind of funny because I can pick them up pretty quick and, uh, and talk to those folks. And, and it's so funny because uh, I had a gentleman here not too long ago. He said, he said I know. I heard any question. It's acts of service. It's acts of service. He come back several weeks later and, and a couple weeks later and he come back to me and I said, how are those acts of service doing? And he's been getting everything ready for their wedding at that time. And he looked at me and he goes, I figured out that's not really her love language. And I said, yeah, isn't it funny? I said, let me ask you, what do you think it is now? And he goes, I figured out when I just put my tools down and spent time with her, whether it was getting things ready or not, I just spent time how much that made a difference. And I said, hmm, isn't that funny? As we go through and you go, look at the pictures. If I take the, the, uh, those five love languages that Dr. Smalley identifies, we could sit here and go, that looks like an awful lot like God and who he is. And I go, hmm, isn't that funny? But we love God by the amount of time that we were willing to spend with him. Spend with him worshiping him, learning his commandments. He will know how we and how we obey. There are all kinds of terms that are used for doing this. Some people call it quiet time. Some people call it doing devotion. Some people call it time alone with God. Some people call it spending time with God. It doesn't matter what you call it. What matters is that we do it. We spend time with him. We separate ourselves and we just spend time with him. See, I find it amazing the number of folks that, that struggle with spending time with God. And I go, hmm. I have a silly question that comes around. And I go, how often is it easy for us to feed ourselves? You might say, are you talking spiritually or are you talking physically, Pastor? Well, both. See, because I know that... I can look around and go, we don't miss too many meals. You might say, preacher, you don't miss any meals, and I don't miss very many. But you know what's really kind of funny, though, is, is that doesn't take very long for us to go, wait a minute, how many of us miss a meal when it comes to spiritually, though? We miss a time with God. We miss a time studying God's word. See, thy word have I hid in my heart that I uh, may not sin against God, against thee. Why am I hiding God's word in there? That I prepare my heart for the day ahead. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know whether the good or the bad, the difficulties or the. I, I was uh, as I was uh, preparing the message. I I was thinking in different thoughts of of looking in different situations and different lives, and and I thought, my goodness, how many of us? If we just sat down and said, did you know this event was coming? You had no idea. And we could just take the last six months. And we'd shake our head going, wow. And then I'd ask, have you been prepared for that? Were you prepared in your walk with God for that battle that was coming? See, I, I, I dare say if we're not careful, we get away from spending our time and and spending time with God, and and it's not all that com complicated. A quiet space and a Bible 
something to take notes with. See, spending time with God is doing just that. See, I don't know if you're like me. I had to learn. It took me a long time to learn to quit talking. Quit talking. See, I'm really good. I can sit down and start talking with Jesus and I, I can get in my quiet time and I still struggle with this one. I'll be honest. Some of you go, imagine that, the preacher, the guy that stands in front of people and talks. Has too much problem talking with God? No. Sometimes, yes, that's true. I Sometimes I wonder why the Lord hasn't just spoke audibly from heaven going, would you be quiet for a minute and let me speak? Would you, would you stop talking long enough for me to give you the instruction I want to give? Sometimes spending time with God is just that. When you read the Bible and you ask God to speak to us, then we take time in prayer and we speak to him. In essence, it's our own personal private worship service where we praise God, we thank God, we bring God our burdens, where we bring our heartaches, our loved ones, our friends, and the things that are going on in our life, and you just simply surrender them. Their, our life to him and, and on a daily basis. See, we, we need time. You might look and say, just as a, a husband and a wife need time together just to, to, to love each other, as children need time with their, their parents just to be loved by their parents, God wants time with us when we focus on him and spend time with him in love. We love God with our talents as well. We've already said another way that, that we love God is by obeying him. And one of the ways we obey him is by serving him. And, and the way that we serve him is by taking the, the gifts, the abilities that, that he gives us and, and using them both on the inside and the outside of the church to serve other people. Remember, as we've been working on our mission statement, what is it? To love God, serve people. And uh, serving people, finding ways to, to serve other people. And uh, incidentally, the other parts of our mission statement flow from the first part. Always keep in mind the foundational part of our mission is to love God. And I do believe if we love God, then we're going to serve other people. We're going to see people who need us to, to, to be that servant to them, to be an encouragement to them, to lift them up. See, if we love God, we'll want to serve other people. I believe that we'll want to not only serve people, but, but we ought to see the, that every act of service we, we ever do, whether it's a, in the church or on Sunday or outside of Sunday, maybe on Monday, as simply another way to love God, to love Jesus. See, again, a, a parent can understand this. You raise a child, you feed that child, you change their dirty diapers, you wipe their runny nose, you bathe them, and you do everything for them. You do all of that because of what they can do for you? No, not at all. You do it for one reason, because you love them. And when we love God the way we ought to love God, we'll want to serve other people. We'll want to serve other people. Now, there are lots of ways to serve people. We can, we can walk through and, and see many, many ways to serve other people. How can we do so? Flushing that out. What is it that God's given me? You know, I don't know. I don't know what talent. I don't know what time. I don't know what treasure that he's given us to be able to do 
what he's called you and I to do. I, I can look and I can say, well, there's, there's some of those uh, we can pick on. Uh, I'm going to pick on Grandma Peggy. Grandma Peggy went to, went to Kings Island. Everybody in here, go ahead and shake your head like this. She went to Kings Island on Thursday. It was hot. It was miserable. I'm a little younger than she is. I was miserable. It was, it was tough. The lines were short, and the kids had fun. My land. But I look and I go, wait a minute here. How is it? I'll pick on her. She didn't ride a lot of the rides. She rode a couple of them. She didn't ride a lot of the rides. But we could come through and you go, wait a minute, how how could you encourage? I thought it was funny because I look over and, I don't know, it was about halfway through the day and I saw a little girl reach up, grab Grandma and Peggy's hand, and they were going to a ride. Now, it wasn't a ride that Bethany was riding. Wouldn't a ride that Hannah was riding, or Logan, or any of that crowd that was all riding the upside downs and the inside outs and the complaining because they rode the beast and the beast beat them up. No, it's just a little kid's ride, one of them little spinny rides, one of those rides those teenagers can't ride because they get sick because it spins them around too much. <laughs> And I laughed because I said, hmm, isn't that funny? And then I look and I go, wait a minute, there's Brother Chase. And Brother Chase is getting on the ride that's going upside down every which way with all of the kids, every chance he could get. I'm going, hmm, isn't that funny? Kind of takes you back to, wait a minute, we all have a place, don't we? We all have a place. You know, you can't always run. I, I'm beginning to realize I don't want to run like I did 20 years ago. I don't want to. I want to do some of those things, but I don't want to run physically like I did then. And I look and I go, wait a minute. We love God with our, our talents, but we also were to love God with our testimony. I think it's kind of funny. You can look and you go, wait a minute. Friends of God tell other friends about God. I like to tell about the things that God's doing in our life. One of the ways that we love God is by sharing with others our story, how God has loved us, how God has loves them. I think it's funny. I can always pick a grandparent out. Have you ever thought about that? You grandparents, you, you, you might as well just go ahead and go, all right, I can always pick a grandparent out. Because all you have to do is ask. Why? Because your grandchildren are great. And you'll tell me all about them. You'll tell me all about them. You get you talking about your grandchildren. You start telling about uh, all their, I think it's funny. And I can stir you up with different stories and go, hmm, isn't that funny? We were, we were at, a, at, a, uh, at a concert here not too long ago, and it was funny because the guy that was beside me, he said something, and we were setting up tents, uh, setting up the, 
the shade tents, and all of a sudden he uh, he looked over, and I I realized I needed a, a a tension breaker. I needed a question to get started, and so I just asked him. I could tell. I said, I said, you're a grandpa, aren't you? Oh yeah. You realize the rest of the night he talked. He and I talked all evening long. Every time we come around each other, he started telling me he was also like dry gracing. He loved doing this. He loved doing that. And uh, gave me all the story. And I thought it was funny because you know what? You love to tell about your grandchildren. You know, when we begin to love God in the way God wants us to love him, we begin to, to really appreciate his love. Then we're going to tell people about our love for him. We'll be moved to the point where in our own way, in our own giftedness, in our own personality, we're going to begin to share our story with other people. See, not everybody's going to share their story the same way I do. Not everybody's going to be near near as bold or not everybody's going to be in the same crowd of folks or but we all have a story to tell. And we love God with our testimony. Not only with our testimony in terms of the things in which we say, but how about in the way in which we live our life? See, I like to pick on a friend of mine, Bill, and and uh, Bill teases with me frequently. <laughs> Bill, every so often, will put his hand on my back, and then he'll say after he does so, he said, I was hoping to get a little Jesus on me. <laughs> and Bill, it doesn't quite work that way. Not to mention, I might be the wrong one to be doing that. (laughs) But you know, the reality is, is how we live our life can demonstrate. Demonstrate. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. But we're to love God one other way, and that's one of the greatest ways that we show God that we love him is is by giving to him. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his unique, his one and only. It's been said many times that you can give without loving, but you can uh, you you cannot love without giving. One of the ways that you, you know your love for God is really getting where it needs to be is when we start giving. Not because we feel like it, but because we want to. We give simply because we love God. There's another dimension to this commandment that we haven't touched on yet, and it's the horizontal dimension. Jesus goes on to say this, The second is like, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hangs the whole law and the prophets. In and of itself, there's nothing that that, uh, at all unique about these two commandments, to love God, to love your neighbor. What's unique is that this is the first time anyone had joined these two together. Jesus in effect said that if you love, if you have the vertical love for God that you ought to have, then you cannot help but have the horizontal love for others that you ought to have. See, I could summarize it means that uh, uh, what it means to love God, I would say three things. To love God means to love what God loves, which is people. To love God is to love people. To hate what God hates, which is sin. And to do what God does is to give. Give time, give our talents, give our uh, our testimony and our treasure to God. 
See, I trust that as a church, we will never do anything greater for us, for your children, for your grandchildren, than to do everything we can to help you fall in love with Jesus. Every single day. Not just on Sunday. There's not a problem that any church has, has that cannot be solved when that church has a desire and, and a burning and a blazing and a passion for, for the love of God that is, is both shown and seen by others who come in contact with it. See, whatever else we become as a church becomes known for what I can assure us. See, I, I, I can be sure of this. I can sleep like a baby if I knew that our church had the reputation. If our church had the reputation that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. See, we'd all be able to, to say, you know what, that's my church. That's how we move and how we grow. So as we envision, We look and we go, there's our, our testimony. We begin to put it together. Next week we'll begin to put together sharing the story. But to love God, serve others, and tell the story. Tell the story. I thought it was funny. I told somebody this week that's, uh, as we were going through, I said, this is, uh, they asked me what I was going to be preaching on this Sunday. And I, I gave them that outline. I didn't give them all of what you've got received this morning, but I gave them that outline. That we're uh, we're loving God. We're we're serving people, and we're sharing our testimony, telling our story. It's funny that person goes, "You love that. You like to tell the story." I said, "I do. I like telling stories. I enjoy stories." I even enjoy listening to stories. And I'd say, hmm, I'd ask you, are we ready to tell our story? What he has done for us. How he has changed your life and mine. Let's pray together. Father God, we're thankful for the day. And I thank you for your love, mercy, and your grace. Lord, as the, the lawyer asked, What's the greatest of all the commandments? You boiled it down. You brought it down to simplicity. And Lord Jesus, we thank you. I think you made it easy to, to understand. Not only to understand, but to put to practice. To love you and to serve others. Lord, I ask that you would uh, you'd give us a boldness boldness of the early church, the boldness of the church in Acts to share what you've done in our life and how you're using us how you've changed how you picked us up how you turned us around how you set our feet on solid ground that we can Stand for a moment.